This Bible reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 28, to chapter 17, verse 23. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and the voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. And the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuilt the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. This is the word of our Lord. Well, great. Uh, thanks for reading, Maria. Thanks for praying, Evelyn, that... Uh yeah, we will, um, yeah, that God will speak to us. Yeah, let's look at this passage together. Now, uh, this week we had some uh, banking trouble, yeah, EJ and I, and so we, uh, we, we had to go through all these loops to get things, uh, things back. You know, you have to go to the branch and show your passport and your ID, and uh, yeah, you have to be on the phone, and uh, you know, can you answer these security questions? And you know, please, uh, okay, we're going to send you a message. Can you fill in that code? And we send you an email and do the code. There's all this stuff to just make sure this is really you. 
And I think that's a good thing in some way, right? Because this is your money, it needs to be protected. You don't want any stranger to just come along and say, uh, say something and, and then they do it. We have one credit card company, which is really, they're very careful. Any unusual purchase, they will call you. Is this really you? You, know, uh, you haven't bought any flight tickets in the past two years. Is this really from you? Right? Those kind of things. I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, sometimes you just need to know this strange request. Is this really from you? Um, don't know if you've had an email like that, a scam email. Uh, one of your friends says, oh yeah, I'm on holiday and I'm stuck and I've lost all my money. Please transfer $20,000 to this account. That would be great. I mean, my guess is most of you don't do that, right? You would maybe text your friend, is this really you? That's the question. Well, in a way, that is today's passage. Um, is this really you? Because the disciples, well, they got a really strange message last week from Jesus, right? Uh, here's Jesus, and they finally realize who he is. They finally see, wow, the Messiah is here. God's King is here. So exciting. But then, okay, Jesus, most of part two of his message. And he said, well, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day be raised to life. I mean, the disciples, they just couldn't grasp it, right? Here's the Messiah, great, and oh, he's going to get killed. And Peter just, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. What, what is this? It's such a strange message, right? Is this really true? Now, for us, of course, it doesn't have the same shock, right? We, for us, 2,000 years later, um, we kind of know that Jesus had to go to the cross. But, but we're not the only ones who are going to... Jesus is not the only one going to die, right? Because if you want to be one of Jesus' followers, uh, what did Jesus say? Well, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And if you want to be Jesus' followers, you have to lose your life. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, which is a huge ask, right? It's a big sacrifice. I mean, in the Christian life, it, there's full of joy and comfort, and yet it's costly. It's demanding, Jesus says. And to be honest, when we hear that, we struggle with, right? Um, we have our doubts. We have our fears. Can I really do this? Uh, is this really what Jesus wants? Life is already hard enough, and now I need to commit to the church and, and serve the kingdom and, and, and deny myself. Living Jesus' way can be demanding. You know? Maybe at work you need to make some decision, and you, know, you can lie or you can be honest, and, and you know that if you're going to be honest, well, there'll be, uh, you'll take a big financial hit. And you just, can't, can't I just cheat? You know, can I really take the hit? It's a, it's a hard decision to obey, right? It's costly, and well, Jesus knows it's hard. And that's why Jesus, well, he gave the disciples real reassurance. No, this is really me. This is real. This is true. And it's reassurance for us as well. And this, today's passage is really strongly tied to, to that message, right? It's, it's after six days. This is time reference. Look straight after Jesus gave them this uh, this message. And the application, I, I think, is very clear. Uh, in verse 5, God the Father speaks, you know, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. 
listen to him. Uh, listen to him. That is what uh, God uh, wants for us today, that, 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 we, that we really listen to Jesus because we see who he is. Now, what is Jesus assuring the people of, uh, his disciples? Well, I think that the first thing, I think it's pretty obvious, that Jesus really is the Son, right? He really is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one and only unique Son. And we get these incredible events. Um, what, what, what happens? Jesus, uh, yeah, he takes three of his disciples up the mountain, right? It's from Mount of Sinai, a uh, big uh, thing. And that's, uh, in the old, you know, where you're going to meet God. And they're on that mountain. And what, what happens? Verse 2, uh, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Jesus just completely changed. Yeah, like, like the sun here in the summer in Hong Kong. You just can't look at it. It's so bright, right? So, so white. This is really, this is not a human being, right? This is... He is divine. And then, you know, Moses and Elijah appeared, right? And again, talking to Jesus. I don't know how they recognized him, right? And did Moses have the tablets of the Ten Commandments? And Elijah had his camel hair cloak, no idea. We don't really know why it's Moses and Elijah. Maybe because it's the law and the prophets or just two of the greatest Old Testament heroes. But, you know, what an event. Here were people from a thousand, fifteen hundred years ago, and they just appear and and talk to Jesus, which is like, wow, right? What an experience. And, you know, and even then, the focus, though, is on Jesus. You know, Moses and Elijah, great heroes, but the shining one is Jesus. And, and Peter, he doesn't really get it, right? Okay, sir, I'll, I'll make three tents for you. One, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then God speaks, right? God the Father, uh, cloud, the presence of God. Uh, verse 5, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right? Uh, only the second time that God the Father speaks in the gospel. First at the baptism, this is my son. Now again, this is my son. And he is the, the one and only. Right? The disciples, they fall on the ground, terrified. And then when it's all over, well, they, they saw no one, verse 8, except Jesus. No one except Jesus alone. Uh, I think the, the point is so clear, right? Jesus, here he is the one and only unique Son of God. He is, he's not just a prophet. He's greater than any of the prophets. He is not a mere human being. He's the Son, the Messiah, the, the one and only unique Son of God. And so the Father says, well, listen to him. You know, what he said is not crazy. It's not a mistake. This is not the wrong guy. Jesus really is the Son of God. And so when he says he's going to the cross, that's, that's true. And when he says we, we should deny ourselves if we want to follow Jesus, that's true. And Jesus just confirms, this is really me. You can trust what I say. They're difficult words, but they're true. Uh, which is, in a way, quite kind and reassuring. I mean, it was terrifying for the disciples. They were terrified. But, you know, Jesus just, he knew that they had doubts. He knew they had fears. And so, you know, he gave them this experience to assure them. I mean, maybe you've had that sometimes, like that, that God is calling you to do something, and, you know, you're afraid. And, I mean, God doesn't promise anything, but sometimes he just gives you, like, an, an incredible answer to prayer that makes you just, wow. 
yeah, God is really with me. I can do this. And that is kind of what God is doing here. And, and it worked, right? As Samson mentioned already, this was life-changing for Peter. You know, 35 years later, when he wrote to Peter at the end of his life, and he wants to say, look, what I'm telling you is really true to his readers. It's, you can believe what Jesus said. What does he point to? Well, here is uh, Peter. For we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Right? You know, this is really true. We were there. Jesus really is the son. Now, of course, when I say this, I know what you're thinking. Well, of course Jesus is the Son. And of course I believe that, right? I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. But this passage says, well, if you believe that, you will listen to him, right? You, you will listen. Yeah, are we listening to Jesus? When Jesus says something, do we follow it, right? Do we, do we listen? And Jesus tells us, okay, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. Do we listen or do we, well... Uh, never, Lord, this shall never happen, a bit like Peter. Well, we wouldn't put it like that, right? But, you know, Jesus talks about fighting sin, right? And you see the sinful desire, and you, you, maybe you're reading the Bible, and, and you feel Jesus is really saying to you that, that, that this, this is wrong, and you need to deny that. This is not me. How do we respond? Are we a bit kind of, well, I'm not sure. That, that, does this really mean that, you know? It should be okay, right? This sin doesn't, it's not that serious, right? Yeah, um, well, maybe I should do something about it, but you know, I'm very busy with work right now. Maybe in the Easter break, I'll have some time to think about this, and, and then we just forget, right? I mean, how would you respond if you were on that mountain and with this cloud around you and Jesus in dazzling splendor and the voice of God telling you, this is my son, listen to him. I don't think we'd say that, you know, I'm a bit busy right now. I'm not really sure if that's what it means. My guess is we would listen to Jesus. But we are often so slow, right, some of us. I know, I'm counting myself here as well. We don't do much and then we just forget. Ask yourself next time, you know, why? Why would we be slow to respond to Jesus? Well, what do we think when we hear this? Or just imagine you know, Jesus again in his dazzling splendor, the king of the universe, the exact imprint of God's nature, and you stand before him so small, and, and he says this to you. Well, you. You will listen to him, right? He really is the son. But, but it's not just that. It's more than his identity, right? Because it's, you know, it's not just who he is. It's also that Jesus will really rise and return. Because it shows Jesus' glory, but as Peter said, it's the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. Because in a way, we've seen Jesus' glory in the previous passage. As we saw last week, yes, deny yourself. Yes, take up your cross. But it's not the end. It's not the end for Jesus, not the end for us. Because Jesus will come again. Verse 27, why should we follow Jesus? Well, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And 
Jesus is going to come back. And, and then Jesus kind of, he promises reassurance, right? Verse 28, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You're going to see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. A few days later, glory on the mountain. It's kind of, that's what it shows, right? It shows that Jesus will return. This is a picture of his, of his coming glory, of his of him resurrected, reigning in his kingdom. That is really true. That's so important. You know, Jesus, he will return. I mean, why would you deny yourself? Why would you follow Jesus? Well, future glory. And Jesus will go to the cross, but he'll be raised, and he's going to set up his kingdom. There is glory at the end. That that is what it's all for. It's it's not for life now, it's for the, the future. Yeah? And so this, this is a glimpse of the future glory. Now, of course, it is future, and yeah? that's made very clear. This is not yet. First, Jesus needs to go to the cross, and that's what he, I guess that's why he explains to that when they come down the mountain. I mean, the disciples, they're still, whoa, but Jesus says, don't tell anyone until I'm raised from the dead. Now, first, I'm going to go to the cross. First, the kingdom is going to come in this unexpected way. Uh, through my death on the cross. And it, it, it's, you know, the first suffering. I mean, even when they, the disciples ask about Elijah, hey, how about Elijah? You know, you're here, the Messiah's here, but how about Elijah? And it's this prophecy from the Old Testament, last chapter before the New Testament. Uh, God says, uh, see, I'll send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Well, wasn't Elijah going to come? He's, yeah, he's come, Jesus says, definitely. But they didn't recognize him and he suffered. Uh, and, and me, I'm, I'm, you're not gonna rec- they're not going to recognize me and I'm going to suffer. You know, first suffering, but future glory. And we, and we see that here. And the thing is, we, we need that, right? We need that assurance, the assurance that Jesus will return. And, and if we know that, yeah, we, we can listen to Jesus. We can follow him. It's okay to lose your life if Jesus returns, right? Because he's going to come in glory to reward his people. I mean, suffering is so hard if there's no end point, right? Going through hardship when there's no ending. And I think that's what many of us really struggle with with the COVID situation here, right? It would be so great to just have, okay, this date, and then everything's gonna be normal again. Then, then you can do it. And if there's no end point, it's really difficult. But Jesus has an end point. You know, Jesus, yeah, he went to the cross, but he had his exit strategy. Three days later, he would rise. And for us, there, there, there is an exit. Yes, deny yourself, take off your cross, but the Son of Man is gonna come and rewards his people. Of course, we believe that, right? We just said it in the creed. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. But again, if we believe this, are we listening? When he says that, you know, it's no good to gain the whole world and lose your soul, are we listening to that? Many of us, we, we, we don't necessarily live like it. We focus a lot on our money and our work, and our comforts. We're storing up treasure with HSBC and not in heaven. Right? But sacrifice for God's kingdom, we're very reluctant sometimes. Well, well, why? You're going to stand before Jesus and he wants to reward you for everything you've done for his kingdom and you're there empty-handed. Right? We don't want that. I mean, 
Sometimes, do, do we really believe this? Or, or do we think, yeah, I, hopefully Jesus will come back, but I'm not sure. So just in case, let me have a good life here, right? Let, just in case. When we think like that, well, what's going on inside? Right? When Jesus, you know, there's an opportunity to serve, something to give. If we're slow to respond, you know, what's the fear inside? Well, what's the thing that's holding us back? Do we really, you know, does this future hope make the difference? Now, just to say, look, we have a range of people in the church, and some people, they're wonderful, sacrificial people. They give and they serve, and, you know, they really work for the kingdom. But for others, it doesn't make that much difference. Well, let this passage assure you, Jesus will really rise and return, you know. Peter says it's not a cleverly invented story. You can do this. Yeah? Jesus will come in his glory. You, you're not going to lose out. You know, again, if some financial decision. You can take the hit. Jesus will reward you. You know, on that day, you'll be before him in, in all the dazzling splendor with 200 million angels there. Those who try to save their life will lose it. But you, you'll be rewarded. Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. It's really true, so you can listen to him. And then and one more passage uh, of a very similar story. Um, I think, well, what's this? Uh, the last thing where they come down the mountain, uh, Jesus, he won't just rise and return. Well, uh, Jesus really is the only savior. Because when they come down the mountain, uh, what happens? Uh, verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And this, this poor boy, uh, we later find out there was a demon involved. I mean, sometimes sickness is caused by demons, sometimes it's not. We don't know the details. But the interesting thing, verse 16, uh, I brought him to your disciples and they, they couldn't help him. Right? They, 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 they couldn't heal him. I don't know what the disciples did. I mean, it would have been interesting to see them, right? I mean, grabbing the boy, come out, come out. I don't know, chanting, whatever. But they couldn't do it. And Jesus, he hears it. He's just exasperated again. You know, unbelieving generation. How long am I going to be with you? And then he, the boy comes and he just heals him in an instant, right? Sends out a demon. All done. No ceremony, no ritual, no efforts. Just whoom. And the disciples ask, why? Well, why couldn't we do this? And, and Jesus says, well, well, lack of faith, right? He already said, calls them an unbelieving generation. Uh, verse 20, uh, he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, just to say, it doesn't mean that the disciples didn't have enough faith or something. Right? I mean, the mustard seed is like the smallest thing you can have. And so if you have less than a mustard seed, you, you have no faith, kind of. Right? But, but, but what's the point? Why, look, you, you, you have no faith? You might think this is about what we've seen before, how you respond to Jesus, that you should respond with faith. But there's always the person in need, right? Like, like the Canaanite woman, she, uh, her daughter was, was, you know, was dying and so... Uh, uh, so it should be the father's boy, the, the boy's father in that case. 
But the focus here is the disciples. It's a contrast between Jesus and the disciples. It's not the one receiving the miracle, but the ones doing the miracle. And then it's very clear, right? Jesus can do it, and, and they are powerless. And I think that's the point of faith here. Faith is, uh, you know, what does faith show? It shows that you rely on Jesus. The disciples, Jesus had given them authority over evil spirits, but they didn't rely on him. They just, I guess, tried to do it by themselves rather than through Jesus, which shows that it's only through Jesus. You can't do it without Jesus. It's interesting uh, in Mark's gospel, with the same miracle, it records some other things from the conversation. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. They didn't pray. They just tried to do it themselves, but they didn't pray. They didn't rely on Jesus. So I, I think that's the point here from this story, that it's about, you know, that only Jesus can do it. And we can't, they, they couldn't do it by themselves. As Jesus is not here giving advice on, can you pray about mountains and would be useful for land reclamation or something. That, that, that's not the point. It's just a powerful way of speaking. The point is, you know, with Jesus you can do anything, and without him you can do nothing. It's only Jesus who can heal, only Jesus who can save. Jesus really is the only savior. We see that here because the disciples, the great apostle Peter, and, and they were powerless. Yeah. I think that that's an important lesson, right? Jesus is the only savior. Certainly, I mean, this is about ministry here, right? We can apply it to that. How are you guys going to change? It's not through my preaching. It's, it's through Jesus and what he does. If you lead a links group, if you lead Kingdom Kids, uh, you're trying to tell the gospel to a friend. You're reading one-to-one -one with someone. Ultimately, it's not you who can do anything, right? Any growth, any salvation that's going to happen, it's, it's through Jesus. I, I guess, again, we believe that. But are we listening to Jesus? And how would, that, how would you see that? Prayer, right? And certainly, if you believe that it's only Jesus, you would pray. You would, your ministry would be full of, of prayer. Not because you have to, it's a duty. No, because you know you, you need Jesus and you can't do it by yourself. That's a ch challenge for me, right? A, <laughs> what do I think is going to change, change people? And it's not just your own ministry. How about the church? You know, we're having our prayer meeting this Wednesday. And, you know, about 10% of people in the church come to that, and, you know, half of them are church staff. Now, I know for some of you it's really hard to come to the prayer meeting, right? You're still at work. Uh, you're dead tired. Some of you, you have kids bouncing around the house uh, because they're on summer holiday, and it's hard for you to join in. And, you know, we, we understand it. But for others, it's just not much of a priority, you know. Why come to the prayer meeting? Do we really believe that the Jesus is the only one who can do things? And when you hear a prayer meeting, ah, you know, do you try to come or do you just write it off? Well, why? Do you want Shatton Church to grow or not? Do we think that we don't need to pray? We have a great pastor. We have Hebrew. Why would we pray? I hope we remember this passage. The disciples were totally powerless to heal. They couldn't do anything. Only, you know, and Jesus, he just, he rebukes the demon. It's gone. If we want that to happen, we need to ask Jesus, right? We, the Shouting Church needs Jesus. He really is the, the only Savior. So can I encourage you this Wednesday? Uh, come and pray. 
because we, we need Jesus. He's the only Savior. But ultimately, like I said, a prayer here is secondary. Uh, in context, it's not about what we must do. Again, as Jesus goes on, you know, if he's the only Savior, then this is about what he must do. Because straight after this miracle, well, we get to cross again, right? When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Yeah. In a few, in two weeks, we're going to celebrate Good Friday and Easter. Now, it was shocking, but it had to happen, right? Because Jesus is the only Savior. It showed, this miracle shows it again. It's such a hard message for us to grasp, but we, we need to know it, right? Jesus is al alone can save. A beautiful song, uh, I know. Eh? There was no other good enough willing to pay the price of sin. He was the only one who could reach out to unlock the gate of heaven to let us in. And that is why we need to cross. Jesus is the only Savior, the only Son, the only one who will come and the only one who can save. So, as we've seen, yeah, eight weeks in Matthew, that's a good place to finish, right? Just before Easter, we've seen all this rejection, everyone unclean, and yet how can Jesus build a church that will never fail out of nobodies, just people like you and me who trust in him? Because he went to the cross, our only savior. And I, I trust that's a reality for you. And, and, and if it's not yet a reality, I hope you can see, you need Jesus. We can't do anything without him. So he's inviting you, he's speaking to your heart. Please come, and if you want to know more, please find me on Zoom. Come to the only Savior. Why don't we pray together? Father, thank you for assuring us. Thank you for speaking to us about Jesus, confirming just who he really is and why we need him. And Father, we confess we sometimes struggle to live as you want us to live. You know, open our eyes to see Jesus' glory and would it transform us so that we would be yeah, quick to listen, quick to trust your great promises, quick to trust that yeah, his power, your power, and, and, and not our own. Father, please do that work in us as we meditate on your words. Please would Easter, the coming weeks, be again such a great joy as we as we see Jesus again. And that we would live for you transformed in this world. In Jesus' name.